volunteer, expose yourself to projects that are beyond your current job. I know it's more work and you might say, well, I'm not going to be paid more to do more work, but it's an investment for the future. Hello and welcome to the Talking Leaders podcast. This is season two, conversations about promotion. Hello, Paul Gisby here. By any measure, Giselle Tavares has had a successful career, with promotions that have taken her to the level of VP in the pharmaceutical industry. But in conversation with Giselle, it was clear that getting a promotion is not in itself what motivates her. I think there is an intellectual challenge that comes along with promotions, and that is a big driver for me. It's to see how far can I go intellectually. Right, right. So uh, given that's the case then, I mean, have you ever got a promotion and thought, whoops, I've bitten off more than I can chew here. This is a, this is a really big jump. That's what I want in a promotion. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had promotions where that didn't happen. And then it's a little bit like, oh, what a pity. It could be much bigger. But um, those are the ones that I want to feel like, oh, and now I have to really do something here because it's much bigger than I can bite. So how am I going to get these little pieces and eat it <laughs> since we're talking about bites <laughs> yeah okay okay so that's that's that is a good promotion is one where you 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 sort of jump into the deep end and and uh, maybe have to you know really fight to swim for a while yes i i do think so yes i think it it goes along with thinking what is your comfort zone or where you have a mastery and how you can get out of that and and i would believe that a promotion is one where you get out of your comfort zone and you are then in an area where you have to challenge yourself, learn new skills, change the ways you work, interact, and perform. Mm -hmm. Can you share an example for us then of one of the, the ones where you really did dive into very deep water and, and what it was like and how you managed to, to get yourself on an even keel? It's, um, I think, it, yes, I, I definitely have a couple of examples. And um what I learned that worked really well with me was to be, to be very humble and say, okay, you know what? I don't have any idea of this topic and I'll have to find experts and ask for advice, help, and, uh, and be, yeah, it's this humble attitude. That's not because you're promoted necessarily, you know, uh, every single detail of the job, but the for sure, somebody knows, and uh, the expertise in organizations is always uh, available and at different uh, levels. And um, so it's how you can map very well where you need help and not to be, well, not to be ashamed or have any feelings that you should know everything. Right. Yeah. Give us an example then. Talk us through one of those those jobs. Um, there was one in particular where I got involved with managing relationships um, between companies and I had to talk to very senior leaders uh, all of a sudden about topics that I was actually not very familiar with. 
I had to do a lot of homework before those specific calls and face the fact that those senior leaders had questions to me on the spot where I had no answers. All of those conversations were conversations where I was trying to convince them to do something that I wanted for the good of the organization, of course. And how to get all that done in real time in a conversation when questions are being given to you, you have no answer. You barely understand what they are really talking about and you want to convince them of something. So that made me really work hard <laughs> and use the skills that um, I had to learn or that I actually didn't think I had. And did you at any point think that maybe you had this time bitten off too much? This was maybe too big a step. No, I don't like to think that. <laughs> and uh, it, it turned out that I was actually very successful in that position. And it comes a lot from what we, we create in our own mind, I think, uh, which monsters we put in front of uh, ourselves. And um, if you, at least it works for me, and maybe I'm <clears throat> telling myself stories, but um, it's trying to to figure out how to eliminate all these little voices in my head saying that I should know that, I should have done this, or I was not perfect in that call. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we want to advance a topic or get the consensus or agreement to get other ideas, see what's missing for something to happen. So I think it comes a lot from the story one tells oneself. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Of the promotions that you've had, were they ones that you had to actively go out and seek or were they ones where, as people say, you got the hand on the shoulder, um, someone approached you? I had both, both cases. One in my scientific career in the, the earlier part, I was asked to take a big uh, role, uh, much bigger, and I was still quite recent in the organization. So that was a surprise, a very nice surprise. And I understand why that was done. Basically, there was need to set a completely new direction and reset the ways of working for a team. And of course, um, I, was, I didn't have the longer history of that team, so it was just perfect. Uh, but I did have occasions where I had to discuss and then go back and ask, what is missing for me to get that promotion and, uh, and have a plan to act in order to to get it. And I think this is an interesting one where I, this uh, case of being active and, and asking has been more recent in my career. And it's not something that would come naturally to me to do so. So I was really uh, coached and, and a fantastic mentor. It seems that it's a good practice and people should be encouraged to do more often. So what is missing for me to be in that role or to get that promotion and act on it, put a plan together. So it becomes a much more strategic step, right, than uh, something passive. Right. Talk us through one, if you could, then, a little bit. I mean, I'm, 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 I get what you mean, but I'm, I'm intrigued to know the detail. One of these situations where you researched what was needed and maybe found that the, you, you maybe had a gap in your CV and you went and did something about it. Can you share an example of where that happened? Yes. So sometimes it's not really necessarily a gap, but it's how you become known in the organization how you can uh, show your skills. And uh, you might have 
job X that definitely is showing a lot of your skills to a certain number of stakeholders. How can you have a bigger visibility of a good work done to a much bigger number of stakeholders that might actually have a decision-making in promoting you while holding that job, right? So the this opportunity was to get involved in a different project on top of my job. So that would get me more visible into the organization and show other skills that my current job not necessarily would be the best to show so obviously. And uh, I would not have been able to do that if I had stayed with the whole topic of how am I going to get visibility and show my skills if I had kept that inside my head. <laughs> so it was necessary for me to talk to others and get ideas and, um, and some help in how to do that introduction. So connections are so important as well for promotions. And, um, and this was the case where... I could show different skills, perform for a much bigger community of stakeholders. Hmm. Have you ever changed company in order to secure a, a bigger role and, and therefore a promotion? Not a promotion necessarily, a, a different role, bigger role. Yes, bigger role, different roles, um, different experience and challenges, yes. Hmm. It, it it's that's a very interesting question. It's I didn't change companies for a promotion. I did I did change companies for bigger opportunities and other challenges. Which one could think it is a promotion? It never came to my mind as a promotion. No, but it I, I, from what you were saying, I'm wondering if it fits with with your earlier definition of of providing you with a greater challenge and, a, and an opportunity to grow. Exactly. Yeah, and and this this is uh, this has been a, a a driver of how can I challenge myself with more, and um, I had a case twice in my career where the company I was was it was not obvious for me how to navigate to get that bigger challenge or a, a different role in a different area, and so changing companies uh, was a way of getting that. Yeah. You said earlier that you had been in the situation where you'd taken a promotion and it turned out not to be quite as you'd hoped. Yes. Can you can you talk talk us through an example of that? And organizations sometimes and in this example I think that, that that's what happened they had a good goal of making the position a global position empowered to perform and to promote a change. But then the organization itself, the department, the group, could not cope with that change. So I was asked to go and and revolutionize something, but um, at the end, they were afraid of what I was trying to do. So for me, it was like, wait a second, you you gave me a big scope, but uh, you don't want me to actually do it. Uh, You are afraid. So what I'm doing here? Why did you give me this job? Why did you create the job? It was very frustrating, extremely frustrating. And I'll tell you, I didn't stay long. Within the company or to a new company? It happened to be in a new company. Yeah. Right. That, that, it, it was not because I didn't like the company anymore. The company is an amazing company and great business. Um, it just happened that then I found a job in another company. Mm. 
How did that feel then when you when that had happened to you? It's frustrating, and it's uh, I felt like I was wasting my time. Again, because the drive is not to get a promotion, this the status or the title or the bump in the salary, but it's really to do something useful with impact that it's good for me and for others to yeah drive a change or become more effective, whatever it is. And I was there in this job. Yeah, it, it was like if somebody clipped my wings and I could not fly anymore and I just had, just had to walk. And no, I wanted to fly. <laughs> so that, that was the feeling, frustrating. Mm -hmm. Just sticking with your, your definition then of what promotion means to you, would you or have you take a promotion that fulfilled the criteria of, of being stretching, of being an opportunity to grow, of an opportunity to help others, but where the salary was less than you were you were on at the time? Not less, but the salary didn't change. Can you imagine this? <laughs> but it can happen. And the explanations are always fascinating. But uh, yes, I, I did have one where it was a much bigger job, a big challenge. Uh, the one that I had to convince people of things that sometimes not necessarily I was fully aware and yeah, the salary didn't change much or not at all, actually. And it's still, I, I love the job. I love the opportunity. I learned so much. So it was absolutely worth, yes. Hmm. Okay. And what about job title? Does that mean much to you? Is that important? I think, yeah, that's a very good one. I always wanted to think that, no, I didn't mind the job title, but um, I think I do nowadays. And maybe because as you go up in, in big organizations, that is a distinction of being part of a small community that is recognized for big achievements, but also that has a big responsibility. I think it matters because it indicates the scale and the scope of what you are doing. Mm. And that's that's within work. What about outside work? Is, is it ever a factor that, that you want your family or friends to know that you're doing well because you've now got a bigger job title? Yes, I, I, I do share with friends and family. And um, well, to, to my family in Brazil, it doesn't mean much to them because they do not understand what it means <laughs> professionally. To my closer family, they do know it means a lot to me in particular because it's part of my achievements and I, yeah, one of my values is achievement. So it means. Now you mentioned earlier this idea of silencing negative thoughts or negative voices, I think you called them. And I know one area where you've done that is in thinking about having to work in a foreign language, which is obviously English for you. Just talk us through, if you would, the self-coaching, if I can call it that, that you've applied. Yeah, I, I've, definitely it's not my first language. And um, I, when I become aware that I'm not speaking my first language, it's where I become self-conscious and uh, worry about. And, and I don't believe that it ever prevented me of advancing my career at all, other than actually making me worry. And so it's all inside my head. Nobody ever um, asked me to have a perfect English, and uh, and still I was able to pass along my messages or or be able to express myself. 
I don't believe what I would like to say to people that uh, don't have English as a sec a first language. Definitely, fluency is important, and um, and we need to learn the language. But nobody is expecting a perfection. And by the way, if you have English as a second language, definitely you have a very good other language, <laughs> which is your native. So you already speak two. It it is for me um, a self-made ghost, let's say, where it could bring me insecurity uh, or challenge me sometimes. But one needs to find ways of going through that in your own mind. And I think for me, it was, okay, nobody is hiring me for perfect uh, grammar. It's for other skills and experience expertise. And, uh, and then there is the component which is so interesting. When you actually accept the fact that you are not going to speak perfect English and you have an accent, that is part of being authentic. This is me. This is Giselle. I'm Brazilian. I speak a few other languages. None of them perfect. But um, still, I have fun. <laughs> I think that's a lovely way of putting it, actually. Be authentic. Yes, absolutely. And of course, great advice to anybody. Um, more challenging to do in the early stages of one's career when you're finding your feet and maybe particularly challenging for some groups as, a pair, as compared to others, yeah, young women, to just think of one. Um, any pieces of advice you could offer to people in the earlier stages of their career? Many, many, actually. I've, I think um, there are many male professionals out there that are amazing sponsors of female co-workers and don't be shy in asking for help for connections for introductions i come from a place where i believe that there's a lot of good out there and a lot of good people and that they are ready to help so build connections and, and ask for help for introductions for advice and then if you feel, as a young woman, that something is wrong, speak up in a professional manner and don't let things happen if it makes you feel uncomfortable, ever. And this is why it's so important to create this network of, um, I, I call social capital, <laughs> because it's a way of going and, and asking advice or bouncing ideas. And if things are not good, this Social capital is a way of um, checking and and help and, and getting advice in how to move forward. But if things don't feel right, it's probably because it's not right. And so speak up. Mm. And when you say speak up, to who? To to other advisors? To HR? Who are you thinking of? I think it's first to the person who is making one uncomfortable and a very clear full respect everything correctly but um it is a, a saying no stop this is not the way to work with me this is how i feel and this is not appropriate so i think if uh, we were and, and and this is not only an advice for a woman it's for professionals young professionals we need we need to trust this feeling when it's not right don't let it happen young professionals are of value to any organization it doesn't mean that because you don't have 20 years of experience you're not valued of course if you are employed it's because there is a value somebody needs you in the organization and you have the right to do a good job and feel good about it hmm. has that happened to you then oh yes of course and not necessarily only as a young woman um, 
still can happen at any time. And this is what I exactly do trust this. It's a gut feeling. It's This is not going well. It is not the way I believe it should be. And then addressing. Can you share an example? I, I'm just, this one in particular, because I, I can hear people hearing this and thinking, oh, that, that's that's a good tip. But it's it's it can take courage to yes. actually speak up. So if you could if you could share an example, I'm sure that would help people. Maybe in if they are in that situation in in deciding to be courageous. Sure. So my situation was a peer. I just started in a job, and this peer started telling me what to do in my own job. And I took that in the beginning as a, a good collegial way of being useful, but it stretched too much in this, the way that I was feeling, wait a second, this, I was hired to make decisions. I was hired because of my expertise and experience. Why is this peer of mine telling me what to do? So... I had to really make up my mind to have a phone call specifically with the person to say, I feel like you are uh, telling me what to do. I do not appreciate this kind of approach. I don't, I would like it to stop. And this is how I feel. And uh, the person was very welcome and saying, okay, that was not my goal. I'm pretty sure it was not, but that's how I perceived. And uh, the person said, I will stop and I will let you come to me if you need advice, which I was said, I said, well, thank you. That's really good. And it was a, it was a difficult conversation. It, it becomes an awkward conversation, right? It's like strange. And uh, if uh, conversations would have edged, that was really very spiky, but um, necessary because it changed and we have a, a good professional relationship and it made me feel feel empowered to take care of myself and that's a very good feeling Mm, yeah how did you feel then when you were making your mind up to to speak to this person i did have to talk to a friend a mentor not to rehearse it but um, go through it to to it i needed a sounding board and so I, then that's why I think connections are so important and having relationships with mentors and coaches, because that, that is the moment you go to a sounding board. Mm. And it sounds as though the conversation did go well and you'd obviously, you obviously handled it well. Was there anything in particular about the way you approached the conversation you think that made it a success? I think when you come from a point where you express how you feel, People cannot discuss how I feel, right? You cannot tell me, Paul, oh, well, don't feel nervous or don't feel this or don't feel that. I mean, it's my feeling. <laughs> and uh, feelings matter. So I think having very clear, this is, I'm not saying what you did, this is what you are trying to do, or I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying what I feel and how this is impacting me and how I would like the relationship to move forward so that I don't feel like that. So that's the way I, I approach it. Mm, I think that's a good that's that's a very good tip. You mentioned mentor and mentorship. You believe it's a good idea for people to find a mentor? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yes. And and sometimes we have friends. I, I have a very good friend with who I talk about any a movie or a book, whatever, but it, she's also a mentor because she was in this industry. She was very senior. I had even a 
role as a CEO in a given moment, somebody that has a very sounding judgment and experience. So she's a friend, but uh, sometimes she's mentoring me and uh, I, I somehow notice and I appreciate and I'm so delighted that she she does take that role as well, other than being a friend. But then I do have connections that we never said you are my mentor, but who I trust, who I admire, who I believe have something that can always contribute. And there's uh, not a, a formal relationship of mentor-mentee, but for me, I see as mentors. And then I have been in in mentoring programs as a mentee, and nowadays I am as a mentor. I think those are very valid as well, because then it's a very formal relationship and uh, with a a specific time for conversations. And I think people should profit of those programs if available. Yes. Mm. Mm. You know, that that's good advice. Say somebody wasn't didn't you know didn't have the benefit of of being able to join a program like that and was having to find a mentor on their own. I mean, what kind of things would you say that they should look for? What qualities should they look for in a potential mentor before they approach that person? Oh wow, um, it, it's so personal, isn't it? I mean, for me, when I look for mentors, or it, it's I mean, these are people that I admire and trust their judgment or the way they see the world. So they're probably a match of values. So my values and and my mentors are people that I seek advice. I think there is a match of values and the way they act professionally. Usually they are role models as well. I don't have a magic formula. It has to be... There is an affinity component as well, right? So if you don't know the person, then it's building the relationship and seeing if it turns out to be a potential mentor. Excellent. Thank you. Well, you've already given people loads of great advice already, Giselle, but if I could to ask you to finish, could you give us your top tips for getting promoted? Connections. Build connections. Go out there and build solid network of connections around the job you're performing now, but also around the job you want to perform, (laughs) where you want to go. And then volunteer, expose yourself to projects that are beyond your current job. I know it's more work and you might say, well, I'm not going to be paid more to do more work, but it's an investment for the future. You acquire skills and experience, but also have a bigger visibility in the organization. And that will help you to to step up to the promotion. And then don't be shy to go and ask for a bigger job. Sometimes we are too shy and too passive. Be active and ask for it. There are very nice ways of asking what you want. And uh, you might get a no, which is totally fine. And then you might ask, so what's missing for a yes? And you might build a plan. So these are my tips. A big thank you to Giselle for sharing her experiences and her excellent advice. So, are you ready to grow? Or are the monsters you put in front of yourself blocking your way? Time to push them aside. You know you can. I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood, and to build trust. Goodbye.